1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
0: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
2: Good Friday morning to you. Today, of course, being Good Friday as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul, taking your calls at 0818 103 103. And I mentioned when I was teeing up the programme with uh, Ken in the last hour about how how changed Good Friday is. And there's a lot of places closed and a lot of people will be off having a, a long weekend for Easter. But it's very different to what it was back probably pre the 80s things start to open up sometime in the 80s maybe the late 80s Jimmy in Middleton says he remembers the big debates that used to go on every single year about pubs and should they open or close on Good Friday Jimmy also remembers Good Friday being a very dark day as most places would be closed you couldn't get a supermarket open the local garage would be closed Uh, nothing at all would be uh, happening but Jimmy remembers it as very much family day in a day for people to relax and just take a day out. And Kay in Shannon says she remembers me on the programme talking with a member of a stag do that had travelled to Cork and were wandering around the city looking for a pub to discover everything was closed and they couldn't understand what was going on I remember that Kay Kay said she thinks they travelled from the UK they did I, I do remember that I remember because they contacted the radio station to say sorry what, is go- what, what, what has gone on they had arrived into Cork early on the Friday morning and they were here for a stag weekend and they had a very very quiet because I think they were staying in a B&B because I remember saying to them if you're in a hotel you can get a drink in the residence founders They said, no, we're in a b and so they, were, they were caught for the day, so we sent them off and they, they spent a day rambling around our beautiful city, which isn't a bad thing to do. Now, can I go to an email that's into the programme today from uh, Mary, That and she references, yes, yeah, she does reference the turf wars that are going on, but she says, hi Patricia, I was smiling to myself today when I heard the excuses of our Minister for Finance and the ones he's come up with to try to explain why the government is unable to reduce VAT on Home heating oil. It's the EU's fault, was one excuse. In other words, it'll be against the law to make changes specific to one item out of the 27 items that are charged at 13.5%. Such utter nonsense, says Mary. This is the man, she's speaking about Pascal Donahue. This is the man, when he was Minister for Transport, was able to change the law to enable the hard earned pensions of Ariantha employees to be pillaged. I promised Minister Donoghue I would neither forgive nor forget. I'd dearly love to be able to pillage his pension. And what Mary is talking about is back. Calm, something that had been going on for quite a number of years. I remember there was lots of debates and debates in the doll about it. And this was to do with the government and them selling off their stake. They had a 25% stake in Erlingus. Now, they finally did sell it off in 2015 to IAG. But when it was sold off, there was... And I'm open to correction, but I I did a quick Google search when I saw Mary's email came came in and I saw one article said that there was about 700 Aer Lingus workers who had, and they would be Aerienthal workers, who had more than 20 years service. They lost up to 60% of their pensions when that sale, when the government sold the 25% stake to AIG. At the time it was for one point. Four six uh, billion, and I remember people protested outside the home of Pascal uh, Donoghue because their defined benefit pension scheme uh, was going to be uh, was, was going to be cut, and there had been many debates on in the doll, and again, excuses were used as to why the government couldn 't use any of the money they got from the sale, why it couldn 't be used to um, prop up and support those defined benefit pension uh, schemes and at the time Mary and i don 't know if you remember this or not, Minister Donahue said European accountancy rules prevented him from doing, doing it. So again, the EU was blamed, as it was blamed this week for the reason why the home heating oil can't be reduced. And I heard Mary Lou just on her own news there from Sinn Féin, uh, because Sinn Féin had been, uh, had been calling for it, along with other opposition party members, to, to try and get give some kind of a break to people who only use oil to heat their homes because they've really, they've seen a tank, a full tank. If you were to get your your oil tank filled, it will cost you double what it would have cost you this time last year, which is incredible for people that are on very tight budgets and, you know, put away every year the amount of money that they need for their fill of oil only to discover now if they don't have any additional money, they'll only be able to get half a tank, which means people will go uh, cold. And Mary then at the end of her email says, I heard you also yesterday discovering discussing the peat situation. People not being allowed to give a bag of turf to family and friends. Would somebody please explain to me, says Mary, who's going to police this? The peat police? That is clever. Um, Well, actually, that's back. The turf war continues. That's that's an argument that really isn't going away. And it's, again, back in the papers. The the papers are reporting that people who cut and sell turf from their own bogs to their neighbours, to their families and friends, will not be penalised by the new government plan, which is to ban the practice of selling uh, uh, turf. That ban also depends on what part of the government you're listening to, say it will be delayed by uh, months. You've got the coalition sources in both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. They're casting doubt on Eamon... Ryan, the Environment Minister's plans to crack down on the sale of turf. Eamon Ryan is saying it's going to come in from the 1st of September, but um, allies now of the Green Party leader in the papers today insist it will go ahead in the autumn. Eamon Ryan has insisted it's going ahead, but some of his allies yesterday were saying it won't target those who have a legal right to cut turf and to sell it to their neighbours. Eamon Ryan is instead going to target the commercial operators, people who cut turf, and then sell it through, say, petrol stations or other outlets. Last night, a senior coalition source says they could not see the new regulations coming into effect by September, when household use of turf is likely to increase. Of course it will, because September is the now, sometimes we get beautiful Septembers, and you might need to have the heating of the fires on, but also September is kind of the start of the winter season, and we know with God help us the way the situation is going in Ukraine because until the, we get this until Russia backs off and stops its invasion on Ukraine and ends this dreadful, dreadful war, energy costs will continue to be at the high rate they're at at the moment or even go higher. So when it comes to September and people are planning for next winter we're still going to be in the midst of this energy crisis. So the idea that suddenly people are not going to be able to buy turf or a neighbour isn't going to be able to give their neighbour a bag of turf or to give their mother down the road a bag of uh, turf certainly the wrong time to be introducing it in September. The coalition leaders are likely to discuss the new regulations on the cutting and sale of turf after the Easter recess. But so this story hasn't gone away. We will be talking about this again after Easter. Nia Varadkar said he would not be in favour of banning people selling bags of turf to their neighbours and friends. Mihol Martin wrote in on this yesterday. He says, I think we will find a solution to this. He said there's plenty of time to do that and he also pointed out that there are three parts parties in the government in the coalition and we work together like we have done on so many issues. It would be really ironic if the government fell over the sale of turf would it not? Miho Martin was asked if there should be an exemption for small scale operators so that they could continue to sell turf to neighbours and to friends and Miho Martin said yes, that's one of the issues that he said we are, and I'm assuming he means Fianna Fáil are anxious to try to facilitate and to resolve and Danny Healy-Ray speaking on behalf of Rural Ireland says the coalition's mooted ban was a threat to rural Ireland and he said it's a concern to households who have no option but to burn peat to heat their homes and that really is the nub of the problem there are households in some parts of the country I know it seems to be more of a midlands issue and awfully for some reason well not for some reason it's the reason where they've the most amount of bogs it's a huge issue in in that area and there are people who solely rely on peat and nothing else to heat their homes how can you suddenly say to those people from the 1st of September you're not going to be allowed to do it anymore anyway as I say the turf war rumbles on and we haven't seen the end of it yet Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. 103 103 and I want to reference something that happened to us here at the radio station when we got an email in from Dave McSweeney, who is that lovely gentleman a native of Mill Street but who has been living now for many many years in America and we were speaking with Dave Maxweeney. A couple of weeks ago now on the programme. He is in upstate New York and he had contacted us because he was looking to see if there was anybody on a J1 visa, if there was any young people who were looking to work for the summer that he had work available in, uh, it's upstate New York in a place called India Lake and he's got a, an Irish bar and a restaurant and what was lovely about my chat with uh, Dave Maxweeney was he listens every day to C103 because of course you can do that now. You can listen to us anywhere in the world. And uh, he listens and he was referencing stuff that was on the programme. And I remember the parish priest who comes in every morning into his McSweeney's Sweeney's Irish bar for a cup of coffee. He arrived in and I had a quick chat with the parish priest as <laughs> well on the morning. And it was just a lovely, lovely delightful piece. So Dave is one of those nice, kind men who decided kind of, I suppose, I don't know, uh, because he likes to listen to the programme. I don't really know. He decided that he would send me uh, a Sweeney's Irish pub sweater and a McSweeney Sweeney knitted beanie hat. So he popped it in the post and he put it into what looks like a kind of a brown jiffy bag. He's got the correct address on it, Patricia Messenger, C103 Radio, Majestic Business Park, Goulds Hill, he's put in the two, uh, Mallow, uh, County Cork, Ireland. And he went down to the post office and I don't know what he paid on the postage, but he's paid it and you can see, I'm looking at this through a photograph, you can see the customs declaration, the value of... The beanie and the value of the hoodie and he popped it in the post and he said he got a call during the week to go down and pick up a package from his own post office in Indian Lake. So he went down, and lo and behold, uh, what was there? But the parcel that he had sent to me returned to America, and the return sticker is from unpost. So it did arrive into Ireland, and it just—it's it's an unpost sticker saying "Return to sender, rejected, failed electronic customs clearance." And it's just, it's totally and absolutely bizarre. And poor old Dave is scratching his head because he says he doesn't know what he did wrong. Like, he went to the post office. He filled in everything that needed to be filled in. There is, I can see a customs declaration on it because, you know, the way on the customs declaration, you have to put the value. So he's got the, the, you know, the value in US dollars of how much the hoodie was and how much the little beanie hat was. And it, it got returned to him. And then that got me thinking, has that happened to anybody else? Because I do know... Early on this year, I have a friend of mine who has two daughters. One lives in Canada and one is living here in Tipperary. And her daughter in Tipperary had a gorgeous little baby and her sister in Canada sent on, you know, a little parcel of things to say, you know, welcome to the world to the baby. And the parcel got returned. And again there was an unpost sticker on it. But there was something to do with the Brexit was quoted on the sticker. So and I never got the follow up because I just I know my friend's daughter in Canada was going to go to go to the post office to try to work out what you know because she wanted to send on these items to her sister, so she was going to try to work out what it was, but it seemed like a bizarre thing that they it lands the package makes it all the way to the country because this clearly has an unpussed sticker on it and it just says rejected failed electronic uh, customs clearance and yet poor old Dave did everything right because he went into the post office. It wasn't that he had got a package just put my name and address on it and got a bundle of stamps and stuck the stamps on and sent it on. I would be saying then, ah, oh, well, you know, you have to tell them what's in the package. But it's very clear that he's told them what is in the package. So has it happened to anybody else? We're trying to find out. Glenn in Botafone said, uh, listening to the news, the piece that our newsroom picked up that we had on our Garda file yesterday about the theft of oil and asking people to be very, very careful, particularly if you get a fill of oil, which is costing you dearly at the moment Do everything that you can to try to. try protect your oil tank and Glenn in Buttovent says he says no wonder it's happening because the prices are increasing. He said who's to blame? The government. They're letting prices go sky high and due to this type of crime we will see more and more of it. So Glenn feels the government are responsible for the increase in crime. The government will say they're they're not responsible for what happens on the worldwide market and can't be responsible for what's happening in Ukraine which is causing the oil to go even higher in uh, price but I except what you're saying, Glenn, you know, what, what lots of people are saying is why can't they at least reduce the excise duty on it and give homeowners some kind of a break but now we were hearing during the week it was an EU ruling that for that reason they couldn't do it and, um, and then we heard only this week from Pascal who that he can't do it because if he reduces the 13.5% that's currently on home heating oil, he'd have to do it for the 27 other uh, items that are also covered under that rate of VAT. That doesn't sit well with everyone, I can tell you. 0818, thank you for your call, Glenn. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Phone lines have been busy, by the way, today. So uh, please bear with us. But you can always text and WhatsApp the programme to oh eight six two. 103.103. 103.
0: Court Today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
2: Yesterday following my chat with Clonakilty native Elaine O'Reilly who outlined how she and her husband are helping Ukrainian refugees in Krakow in Poland where Elaine now lives. With a few calls from people wondering how Bantry native Eugene O'Sullivan and his family are getting on because, of course, they live in Ukraine. Well, to find out, tonight to say, Eugene joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Eugene. Morning, Patricia. Um, How's life with you since we last spoke?
4: Oh, life is uh, the same here with us. Um, The only thing I can tell you is that fuel is very, very scarce here at the moment. Some places have no fuel at all. I'm talking about petrol or diesel now if you're travelling, and if you do find a filling station that does have fuel, you'll be looking to get 10 litres.
2: That's uh, how is that impacting on your life?
4: It doesn't impact on me, but it impacts on a lot of other people as regards deliveries and getting um, other necessities done here. For me, I'm I'm okay, but uh, the problem why this has happened is because all the oil refineries and all the oil storage depots have been bombed in the country.
2: Wow, well, and, and that's going to only get worse than Going forward.
4: Yes, and there's another thing and I've said this before as well about the the food security for for the whole world in fact, especially from that comes from here, Ukraine and, and, and Russia. I think thirty percent of the world's food comes from these two countries. And I just see the Irish are sitting on their backsides because if we don't have uh, food security in Ireland come this winter We could be looking at prices that we couldn't even be able to afford, maybe not be able to get the food.
2: Yeah, this is to do, and I know one of the previous times I spoke with you, you mentioned that as well, you're calling on farmers to start putting crops in the ground.
4: Putting crops, potatoes, barley, um, wheat, uh, carrots, onions, a lot more of it needs to be said because look at the amount of extra people that have come into the country.
2: And how, talk to me about the farming community in your area. Are they starting to sow crops? They can't because they don't have the
4: fuel. Oh,
1: of course.
4: That, 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 that's the problem, you understand. Some farmers may have an, an amount of fuel uh, from last year, but to get fresh fuel is almost impossible now. Uh, yesterday I was in the city and the amount of queues at filling stations was unreal trying to get fuel. Every filling station we came to that had fuel, there was about maybe a queue of about maybe 40 cars each way.
2: So people are scrambling to try to get uh, what they can. Yeah,
4: because you'll only get 10 litres. Where will 10 litres of fuel take you afterwards?
2: Yeah, yeah, nowhere, nowhere. And then what about the other shops? Are they still well stocked? Are you seeing shortages?
4: Yes. The shops, I was surprised now yesterday, they were very, very well stocked. But previous to that in the city, they were very, very poor. But in my area, I could never complain. The shops were always pretty well full of food, except for the first morning when the war started, everybody panicked.
2: But you're able to get everything, bread, milk, yeah, we meat? can get
4: everything, bread, milk, anything. But the prices here as well are going crazy.
2: And that's to do with supplies?
4: That's, it's not just to do with supplies, it's just to do with the worldwide uh, system at the moment. You see, in, I'm sure you see in Ireland, every time you went to the shop, every time you look at an item, it's gone up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were in there yesterday.
2: Yeah, and you were in, it was your nearest city, wasn't it? It was. It was. T-
4: My nearest city here is Poltava City. That city was bombed two weeks ago. Not the city itself, but the oil storage facilities were bombed in that city. It will be two weeks for, sorry, two weeks for tonight.
2: And is this, does the city still look very normal? Everybody's going about their business, going to work every day?
4: Everybody's going about their business, but we are absolutely swamped here with other Ukrainian people that are moving from the east now. They're coming into this area because we haven't been bombed yet so far. But it's just full of different uh, people from eastern Ukraine that are moving into areas, you understand, where, where bombs haven't dropped. Now, some people go outside the country, others try and stay, in, stay within Ukraine. They don't want to leave the country.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I was reading a figure last weekend that there's 10 million people in Ukraine have been displaced. About 4 million have left. So that means there's 6 million people displaced within Ukraine itself.
4: That would be correct, because when we look at the playgrounds here every day, it's more, more people with families, children playing, which you would never see in a weekday because everybody would be walking. And these are all people who are in the playgrounds who are from areas that have come in uh, that have been bombed, as you've seen the photographs from the TV, and they come into what they call hopefully a safer area, but there's no area safe in Ukraine at the moment.
2: And how is the country coping with the displacement of people?
4: I don't know what will be the end result. It can't be good because these people that are to go back to areas that have been bombed out, there's nothing to go back to. Now, maybe they'll start another business within Ukraine, but it's the people that have gone outside the country. Will they settle outside the country and not come back? I can't tell you that. I don't know.
2: Well, certainly, Eugene, any any refugee that's arrived in this country, when they're asked, all of them, all of them bar none, want to go home. It's their country. Of course,
4: everybody wants to go back. Yeah, yeah. of course, everybody wants to wants to go back. I just know of um, two two women, and they have two kids each, and um, they just asked me for advice when they left this country about Ireland. They said they'd, they'd go to Ireland because one of them speaks fluent English, so she's an English teacher and um, her thing is to come back as soon as this war uh, stops, even this morning, I just come communicating by text, and she said, I feel like I want to go back today
2: and has she made it to Ireland?
4: She has made it to Ireland, yes. She's I see. in um she's on the Limerick County Kerry border up around Tar, up that area. Okay. Yeah. But
2: she's
4: in she's in a hotel. She's amazed at the generosity that the Irish have shown, but she thinks also as well that it's a little bit maybe too much because she said she only just expected refuge. She didn't expect um it's like a welcome. You understand. She thinks maybe it's it's overdone. You understand as well. It's not that she don't appreciate it, but she just cannot believe. Uh, She's surprised at that it. you are actually, yeah, surprised at, at the amount of uh, generosity that is shown. Maybe it's maybe it's too much. She says.
2: Okay, that's interesting. I know we are hearing from uh, a number of refugees who, uh, as soon as they land and are settled, they just want want to work. They don't want to be a drain on the state. They don't want to be relying on on social welfare. And that some of them are going out and finding jobs.
4: She is the same like that. She wants to work and pay her way, and so does her sister-in-law. She said she doesn't want any social welfare. She wants to get a job if it's cleaning, doesn't matter what it is, only that she can earn a wage and pay her way.
2: It, it again goes back to the, the the resilience and the decency of the Ukrainian people.
4: Uh, yes, I mean, look. To be honest, in my own um, situation, as looking at the whole thing, they remind me the very same as Irish people. There's no difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah and I think that's why they they are settling but as you say they do want to go back and remember the majority of women that have traveled out with kids they've left husbands fathers brothers you know they've left family members behind them of course of course they they, they will want to go back and Eugene have you an escape route planned in your head if god forbid the war arrives in your doorstep
4: Oh yes I have I have a uh, diesel here stocked up enough that will take me to the Polish Border from from here to you from here, from within Ukraine to the Polish border, uh, just in case that uh, if we do because when you're travelling, if you do decide to travel, you may be travelling into areas where there's no fuel. So at least if you have drums of fuel stored up, which I have stored up for a long time, I would have enough to get me to the border. After that, then I wouldn't care. I would get, I well, find get the that. way back.
2: All right, but your your hope and your plan from the start of this is to stay.
4: Yeah, it, it is the state for the time being, unless the war spreads. At the moment, seeing this warship that was sunk yesterday, I can see the war being stepped up big time in Ukraine. But no, that's only my view, because there's going to be big retaliation for this. And you could see an atomic bomb dropped in Ukraine oh, very, very yeah.
2: oh. Oh, it's just, it's, it's everyone's fear. It's just, it literally yeah, no. is everyone's fear.
4: I'm looking at the worst case scenario. But I know. I can go into the politics of it, but I don't want to because I'm only just one voice.
2: But you still, in your heart, want to remain?
4: Well, it's very hard to walk out of here and leave some part of the family behind and then some of us go back to Ireland. It's not as easy as to, to, to say such a thing.
2: You've an elderly mother-in-law that you believe wouldn't make the journey?
4: Not a hope. She should not even make it to the city, let alone to Artham,
2: right. to the local city here. Okay, and it's it's Easter weekend, uh, Eugene. How will you will you celebrate Easter this weekend?
4: I didn't even know it was Easter trip. Did you not? <laughs> no, because
2: here is uh, not Easter here. Oh, of course, it's the Russian Orthodox. Easter yeah, yeah of, course, yeah, of course, of course, of my, course, my, my utter stupidity, my apologies. No, listen, no, 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 okay. Listen, we just, just to let you know, a lot of people have been thinking about you and it was only yesterday when we hit Eugene, uh, Elena O'Reilly from Clannochilte, she's doing amazing work in Krakow and uh, the number of people then said, you need to check in with Eugene and we had already, by the way, before we got those calls, we were already planning on checking in with uh, Eugene. Uh, stay safe, And we will be in contact with you again in the in in the coming days and weeks. Okay.
4: Okay, Patricia. Thanks for the call. Um, Mind yourself.
2: Bye bye. Bye bye. -bye. Uh, Eugenia Sullivan from uh, Bantry who finds himself in a country that unfortunately is in the middle of war 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103 Court today on C103 With
3: John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk CMIG.ie
2: a Clean Coasts have launched a campaign to encourage people not to pour grease down their this Easter to discuss the Rethink the Sink campaign. I'm joined by Pruncides Othuma of Clean Coast's and Ballinamona. Good morning to you, Pruncides. Good morning, Patricia. Always great to talk to you. Now know, they, they are referred to as fogs. It's fats, oils and grease. Should none of them at any stage ever be poured down your sink?
5: Always try and minimise it. Um, very simply, I think, when, you know, um, we actually just shared a tweet from Simon Lyons, who's a Cork City Council engineer, um, who shared something yesterday that happened in Cork City, uh, where there's a, a blockage in the wastewater treatment system as such in the uh, in the pipes. And um, it, it can be very expensive to fix. So what you have is you've got fat oils and greases from cooking, which are binding with other waste material that might get flushed. Um, like wet wipes, uh, toilet paper and everything else that goes with it and then you start getting these fatbergs and then it starts causing blockages and, and it can get expensive. I think, um, you know, this was on the Examiner Echo, the, the Examiner yesterday, the Echo yesterday, and um, the, the the talking head from, from Irish Water said they repaired 10,000 of these, you know, last year and that's the, the reported ones. That's not the ones, let's say, that, you know, happened to private households. Where where pipes got blocked and then caused you know thousands <laughs> you know to yeah, to, yeah. to fix. So if you've got 10,000, and let's say each home is costing five thousand, you know, do the maths very quickly. You're up
2: to fifty million. And those fat bergs are just when they build up. I was talking earlier about I, I saw a report. Now it was in the UK. It was somewhere in London where they were down in the sewers, and it was a fat berg that it was the size of two double decker buses. It was huge. Uh, and it's, of course, it's everyone's, if if everyone is doing their little bit of flushing the wrong items down the loo or everyone's putting a little bit of fat down, it just all congeals together into these Absolutely. fat bags.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, when, like, we're mostly, we're, 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 we're seeing reasonable people and when we think, okay, there's a bit of oil from a pan, you know, if you're cooking the morning fry or whatever it is you're cooking, there's Sunday rolls, you're pouring the oil directly into the sink, you know, you, you kind of go, oh, that might block my pipe. Sure, I'll use the hot water to move that, but all you're doing is just moving it on another little bit because the hot water cools as soon as it starts hitting the pipe, so, you, so the, 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 the what turns into a, a grease and fatberg will, will, will start um, you know, just a little bit further, it's not gonna make it to the the pipes, you know, the hot water is that couldn't you know, it's not gonna but look it's 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 a it's a very simple thing to to try and fix that, you know, when you're finished cooking the Sunday roast or the, the dinner or using a frying pan and you're using oils or oils are being released from what you're cooking is a is a piece of kitchen paper. Just if the pan it might take two goes. Uh, just put it into your bin very simple thing to do so that's the fat soils and greases thing you're not going to get everything but you're certainly going to reduce it you're certainly going to possibly you know uh, eliminate um a, a potential um big bill and, yeah. and we have enough bills coming in at the moment of the we prices do. of our bills and you were talking about it earlier. Um, but look this is a bill that, that that's
2: preventable. Yeah and I think it's it's habit forming. I think you know, I think you're right. I think the picture you painted there of somebody going, Oh that's only a little bit of oil quick mm. point the put the kettle of hot water down and it'll run it all off and it'll be fine. So it's, it's a habit thing. And when we got into the habit of bringing our shopping bags, shopping bags, our reusable shopping bags, you know, and at the beginning people thought, oh, I'll never get into the habit of that. We all now automatically do it. So it's just, it's a habit. It's just to get into a ha- to the good habit of it. Because we know the damage like these fatbergs can do in the sewer ne- network. Do you see evidence of it also on our beaches?
5: Yeah, I mean, absolutely we do. Um uh, unequivocally, yes, we see it on our beaches. So, w- what you have, right, is, is let's say you're, you're, you're not going to see a soft bird, let's say, on the beach. What you are going to see is you're going to see items that, and I, I took a <laughs> the timing of this to those who are having their 11s or, or morning breakfast uh, uh, apologies in advance. Uh, so, like, uh, there's items, um, there's a bit of research done. And uh, there was, there was a, a bunch of items which were found uh, in the research uh, in Ireland that were commonly used. so.
2: Cotton buds, wipes, just, just, wipes. just move, just move slightly. You're just breaking up a little oh, bit sorry on my your okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um,
5: so in the research, they found that there was items that were commonly flushed, um, such as cotton buds, baby wipes, facial wipes, cleansing pads, toilet roll tubes, medicines, cigarette butts, plasters, Nappies, tampons, tampon applications, and look, that's a, that's, a, 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 that's a list of 12 items there. It's very easy to remember uh, the list of what you really only could, should put down the toilet, and that's
2: pee. Poo and paper. paper. The toilet yeah, paper. and that actually, day. actually, yes, the three P's. And I, I did have somebody on from Irish Water a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, maybe, and we were talking about the three P's. They're the only things <laughs> to go down. And actually, he made something that I didn't realise. Even tissues, if you blow your nose, tissues mm-hmm. are are different constituency yeah, yeah. to toilet paper. You shouldn't yeah. flush a tissue down the toilet. Yeah, yeah,
5: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You you said it earlier, Patricia. Right? We're talking about forming good habits, right? The the best thing that that people can do to form the good habit is to place a bin in your bathroom. Everything goes into the bin, apart from the people and the paper. Yeah, that's,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's just you know, yeah. It's a simple thing. You, it's a you
5: simple wouldn't thing. want to try it the other way around, yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Uh, no. So, but it'll just help with the forming of the good habits, Um that, you know, everything just goes into the bin and it's very easy you remove the, the, you know, the, the bag from the bin and that goes into the, the, the main bin there. That would be
2: taken away. Yeah, and children are great. If you get children into those habits, they will grow up then with those habits and, and they'll take it with them into uh, Adult Hilt. Talking of children, I saw you launched a GoFundMe page to purchase an outdoor classroom. I'm intrigued. Tell me about this.
5: You are the best. <laughs> <laughs> you are the
2: best. Go on, tell me about
5: um, it. Uh, I, I, there was I thinking. All oh, right, so okay. We no, I, I we we want to get uh, a mobile outdoor classroom, right? Because you know, with the pandemic, it presented its problems. Uh, Irish weather, being what it is, we're either going to have sunny days or really wet days, or whatever have you, and it's hard to plan for all that. Um, part of the thing that we do is um, is education. So let's say we we, we do education on fat oils, greases, and think before you flush. You know, and we we do all that. Let's say with school kids, predominantly secondary, but we have a fabulous um, uh, thing lined up with uh, Cork County Council, where where um, we are bringing. 499 and we will get over the 500 uh 500 primary school children um from Cork City the uh, Castletown National School and other schools and primary schools in Cork we we'll bring them to the beach over to the days Thursday and Friday it's uh, with thanks to the Cork Council's Water Lab and the environmental section and uh, we're spending all the money to try and get the buses out to get them up. And that's predominantly what we do. That's the the first what we do. So where we where we have the idea is this outdoor classroom is that you know we're not tied to going to just the beach. That we can bring this mobile classroom to the school, set it up, have a bit of a, a carnival atmosphere, a bit of excitement in the school. Bring them out, and and uh, and in in the the outdoor classroom or the the gazebo or such is that it's, it's a different setting for learning. You know, it, you know we can we can use this at the beach to be a, a first aid centre or a place to store bags or or a, a place for parents and carers to wait while their their kids are out to the beach. And, out, and, and we
2: know unfortunately the weather doesn't always play ball in this country. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I mean it means you Absolutely. can continue Absolutely. doing things and you'll have some shelter if you need shelter.
5: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we the the, the gazebo. Um, uh, it's a six by three meter. Um, it's a very strong one. I didn't realize there was a difference, um, and we certainly will need it on the coast with that 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 wind coming in off the sea. Um, so we uh, the total cost is four nine five two, including some safety gear uh, to tie it down and all those things and the weights. Um, and we've received 4000 um, from Cork County Council's immunity grant. That was with thanks to Liam Quaid, uh, Councillor Liam Quaid. Uh, Anne-Marie Hearn, and Councillor Daniel was advocating on our part uh, to get that 4000 in. And uh, we need 952 as the balance, so we started a GoFundMe. So just just under go,
2: just under a thousand. You're not asking for a, a lot. Is what we need. And yeah, what's yeah. what's the GoFundMe page? How can people access the GoFundMe page? Um, what
5: I'll do is um, I, I I I can share it on our social media. If you go to BarryRamona.org, you'll okay. find okay. these Yeah, John ja, pa- Paul's
2: I'm already po- po- pointing to the computer. He has it sorted already. I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't have even great. Have, have, he's, great. he's great. He's great. We'll, we'll share as well. You're not looking for a lot, but I think no, it's, it's it, but I think it's brilliant.
5: And, and look, w I'm we're totally cognizant of, of the fatigue that people can experience, you know, um uh, you know, with, with fundraising and, and there's so much great work going on in the country at the moment. This is just something else that's in the pan, um if you if you pardon the pun of what we were speaking about earlier. Um and um look this this, this will be a multiplier of what we can do. We don't have any wages. We don't have a wage bill because everything is voluntary. We, we we have maintenance and equipment and all those kind of things and insurances. Um, this is just something, it's not going to be costing us money once we have it. It's just the initial capital cost of buying it. And, you know, there's 500 kids in May that we're bringing out and, and that's just the start.
2: But let's not take away from the amazing work that you and the volunteers do by going out and cleaning our beaches. That's uh, and, and uh, I mean, it's Easter Sunday. You've uh, have you a few beach clean next Sunday.
5: We have a beach clean It, it is <laughs> It is Easter Sunday, you do realize that. Good <laughs>
2: morning, yeah. You should sure. be taking a day off.
5: You're <laughs> price to um, I was thinking of a behavior change, but we just said whoever turned up, turned up. I think that uh, you know, the behavioral the, the change that we had is that you know for everything that we use Eventbrite, so we we just keep track of details just in case we ever need to use contact tracing and, 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 you know, we can, you know, communicate with people quite easily who are are going to come, whether there's going to be a storm, we can say, okay, there's a storm, we're going to, you know, it's not going to go ahead, or, you know, um, uh, you know, tell them where it is or, you know, say, email the map, or, you know, if it's the first time, it's a very easy thing. So, look, that's just the behaviour change that we had. And actually, just with that, you know, topic that we're talking about this morning, um, we did a beach clean by Black Rock Castle in the city on the start of March, 1st of March, with um, students from Christ King Secondary School in Cork, where the uh, Rochelle Long is the principal there and um, St Coleman's Community College in Middleton. And um, we had 120 kids out. And um, Simon Lyons, who is a Cork City engineer, um, came out. There's a pump station there, and we did think before our assignment. Did with the with all the, the students, there, think before you flush, and um, uh, that's all. Greece's education with with all the students there, and uh, I think just a which is a really important part of it. So the students got to see firsthand, you know, um, what happens in a yeah. pumping station yeah. and the damage that could be caused. And uh, those kids are amazing. They, they removed 1.1 tonnes from, from Blackrock um, Castle just on that one it's day. Brilliant.
2: It's, one brilliant. day it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what you do on those beach uh, cleans. Listen, continue the great work, Epron Its Pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks Thank for joining us. Thank you so us. much. Bye-bye. Bye. thanks. Many thanks for raising our goat on me. You're very good. No Thank problem. You. Take care. Bye bye. That is uh, Pranchioso Tuma of Clean Coast Balinamona. He's just a terrific guy, and that's just it's a terrific group. I follow them on uh, Facebook, and it's just amazing to see the amount of rubbish that they pick up when they're out and about on, on the beach. And he actually got me into the habit. Whenever I go for a stroll on the beach, I make it my aim to try to pick up five pieces. You know, small little pieces of plastic. Put them in my pocket and bring them back. And I just always feel so proud of myself that I've actually done my little bit. And if we all again it's just all habit forming
3: you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
2: Anne says oh Patricia listening to Eugene O'Sullivan in the last hour native of Bantry has been living in Ukraine now for many many years my heart goes out to him and his family over there it's just awful that no one's able to silence that monster that Putin is forever all those poor people and all of the suffering yeah Ah, I I might get to it later I was hoping to do a piece on and <laughs> The um, Simon Coveney went over there yesterday. He was in Kiev and uh, Bucha, and he was very emotional about what he witnessed. It's just absolutely shocking. It's just worse it seems to be getting. It It really is. Yeah. So we will uh, continue to keep Eugene one of our own, very much one of our own in our thoughts and in our prayers. Hope you're keeping well and thank you for your WhatsApp. And then on on post and parcels being returned and I was kicking this off on something that happened to us at the radio station this week when we got an email from our our friend from Mill Street, Dave McSweeney listens to us all the time in upstate New York and uh, he, I'd had him on the programme and he'd very kindly decided to send me over as a surprise I didn't know this was coming in the post a hoodie and a beanie hat from McSweeney's Irish Bar that he runs in Indian Lake in upstate New York and uh, he, he got returned and he sent me a picture of the returned parcel he emailed it on with a sticker from on post saying return to sender rejected failed electronic customs clearance and it does and he, th- he thought he did everything right he went to the post office he thought he did everything right Anyway, I've had a, a plethora of calls and texts in on this. Let me bring you some of them. Hi, Patricia. Catherine here from Dunmanway. Do you remember me? <laughs> I do. Catherine says, I was on your show about a gift I sent my daughter in Melbourne on the 30th of April last year. So almost a year ago. And it was returned to Catherine in Dunmanway, but it took until the 16th of November to come back to to get back to her. So it went out to Melbourne and then came all the way back, all the way back all those months later. Anyway, Catherine whatsapps this morning to say that saga is still going on as late as yesterday in the post office the lovely girl behind the counter filled out a form to try to get my postage back when on post last January suggested that Katie my daughter in Melbourne check at her side as to why the parcel did not arrive in Australia and why it was returned it's actually laughable at this stage says Catherine the effort I'm going to to get my 36 euro back for posting and listen keep keep at it don't give up They'll try to wear you down, and that's what happened. People go, "Oh God, for thirty six euro, is it worth it?" It absolutely is worth it. That thirty six euro was your hard earned cash that you paid to have a parcel delivered to your gorgeous daughter and Katie, the, Katie. That ended up back with you through no fault of your own. So keep fighting the good fight, and let us know when you get your thirty six euro back. And I suggest you go out and party with that thirty six euro when you do eventually get it get it back. And here's somebody who paid even more, and in Newmarket. Was on to say her niece in San Francisco posted some candy, good old American candy. She paid $96 for the parcel to post it from San Francisco to. Newmarket. And then Anne said, my sister posted out some of the local newspapers from St. Patrick's Day, you know, pictures of the parade and stuff like that. And you'd love that when you're away from home to see what's happening back at home, particularly around St. Patrick's Day. She said both packages were stopped and ended up back in the post office in San Francisco. No reason given. And then Anne says that's got her thinking. And she reckons she hasn't received a package from San Francisco for years this it, keeps, seemed, it keep, keeps getting returned. And then some texts in saying, this is from Donal in Charleville to say, hi, Patricia, same thing happened to me with a package sent from London. On the sixteenth of February this year, it was returned to my daughter, and I was not even advised by unpost that it was returned. My daughter is here now for my seventieth birthday, and she's been able to hand deliver. It was a book that his daughter was sending him from the, from London. Isn't that isn't that bizarre? But you see, you don't. I didn't either. Um, Donald, the same as me, when, when this package arrived back in in. to America. I I wasn't told that that a package had been returned. It was only that Dave got back on when he, when it got returned to his local post office, that he just took a photograph of it and sent it on just to say, look, I did try to send this uh, to you. So no, and post doesn't notify you to say, by the way, there was a package and it has been uh, sent back. But bizarre as to why a book sent from London, I'm assuming that your daughter went to the post office, did everything that she had to do. and when you are posting items now because of Brexit and because they're out of the EU, there is a different customs form that has to be filled in and lots of lots of work on behalf of the post, the post staff, I must say, staff working in the post uh, office. So I'm assuming she did everything right, but it still got got returned. And then Jackie from Two Point House says, Patricia. My cousins, one in the UK, one in Switzerland, both sent me some small gifts for Christmas, which is a nice thing to do. They were both sent back undelivered. Failed customs clearance. Sounds like the very same thing that was on my package from America, Jackie. Cousins re-sent for my birthday in February and they just told me both parcels have been sent back again. I'm raging, says Jackie. (laughs) And there's nothing worse or more disappointing when you're expecting something, when somebody says, I've popped that in the post and you're keeping a lookout for the postman or postwoman to a- a- arrive. That really is frustrating. I was just saying to John Paul during News at 11, because we're getting so many t- t- texts and calls in like that from people saying, yeah, same thing happened here or something happened to, to a family member. We're going to see, can we get on to on post just to find out what is going wrong and also to find out what do our loved ones and friends who want to send gifts from overseas to us, what do they need to be doing and what do we need to be doing and when we're sending something out to make sure that it doesn't come back, because there's nothing more frustrating than an item being returned, particularly, you know, posting things around the world, it doesn't come cheap. If you tried posting anything to Australia lately, It's at times you spend more on the postage than what the present and what's actually inside in the parcel, and that's always very, very annoying. And then somebody just on the whole thing around. Posting items says. Has says anybody else noticed that even letters and cards seem to be taking ages to come from the UK to Ireland? Are vice versa. I sent a card to my sister in the UK. It is nearly two to three weeks till she actually received the card. I'm not sure what the big delays are. Is the problem at the Irish side or is the problem in the UK side? I know at Christmas we had a similar issue with people saying the same thing, that there seemed to be delays between the UK and Ireland and with Christmas cards and that and when we got onto one post at the time, they said the delays were not at this side. They were getting stuff out that the delays was on the other side and in the UK they had a problem because so many people were, with the pandemic and all of that, and shopping online and coming up to Christmas, more and more people shopping online. And it was to do the volume of items going through the post office service. But that was at Christmas. No explanation as to why that should be happening now, though. Now I know there's still a high level. There's still a lot of people still... Stay, sticking with shopping online, but it, it's not Christmas. you know you, should, you you would be expecting items to be arriving uh, faster and then with delays here locally, uh, hi patricia I'm, I'm, I'm this i'm not happy with the service from on post at the moment. My car tax was paid almost a month ago, and the disc failed to arrive. I had to send off a second application and it was sent off with a guy the stamp. It still hasn't arrived. I've been on to the tax office and they say it has been sent out. That seems really, really crazy. Let us know know when that arrives. And you need that if it's your tax disc for your car. You certainly need that. And you'd be starting to panic, wouldn't you, when it's not arriving because you don't want to be driving around with no tax disc on your car. So keep us informed on that one, please. And hi, uh, sis D. Hi, Patricia. Hi, I was smiling listening to you, Patricia, talking with... Ken earlier about not knowing the full words of the Naveen, or in my case, I know it half in Irish and half in English. When my daughter was in fourth class, they got a new teacher. It was a teacher from good old County Kerry. Now, D in brackets says this person was a proper GAA head. This new teacher was horrified that all of the pupils in fourth class did not know the words of Aaron Levy. Oh my days says T. We were blue in the face trying to learn it. The shame of us all having to learn it as a family. But you know something is T. it did us no harm. But she does put in brackets, I still get mixed up in parts. Yeah, there's parts of it where we start to bang out, bang out the tune and we will be talking about that later on in this hour because this lovely book has come out. There's parts of it we all know so clearly and then you get to bits where you kind of mumble it. And if you're in a crowded situation Look around, you'll see everybody else is mumbling it too. Always one eight one zero three one zero three, and just a couple of other quick texts. Uh, Hi Patricia, Eamon Ryan, Minister for the Environment, Green Party, doesn't have a clue about rural Ireland. Uh, Pat not happy that he is in power, and Anne kind of summing summing up how people are struggling at the moment Anne says I'm an elderly lady who depends on oil to heat my water and obviously with the rising costs not putting the oil on as much Anne says I'm now washing myself in cold water and I also have arthritis I'm one of those people that got a reduced pension even though I was working since the age of 18 but I broke my time to look after my mother I, yeah, and I know I know they tried to sort that and it did get sorted for a lot of people that your time out caring for family for children like people took time out to raise families or in in Anne's case to look after elderly parents and they did factor that in and um, were were making allowances and they, they did try I remember there was a lot of work done on that um, but not for everybody there will always be some who would fall through the gaps and the computer will say no and somebody will end up in a reduced pension so you don't even have the full old age pension and trying to cope with the rising costs my heart goes out to you, to you and it's a, a shocking it's very very hard for some people it really is and then lovely text in from David who describes himself as a Kerry man passing by to a fair play to the people that are out this morning doing a clean-up of the county. They're on the Canturk to Mallow Road. I gave them a toot of my horn and a wave as I drove on by, says David. A carry man passing by. He said, P.S. we did it a couple of weeks ago in our own area. Yeah, you'll see a lot of that. I mean that, that's I'm assuming it's probably a local tidy towns group, is it? Or a local community a group. Thank God for those volunteers. And a little bit like when we spoke with Clean Coast Spaninamona and is." Othuma bringing all those young people down to clean up the beaches. Could you imagine how dirty our country would be if we didn't have those volunteers who are out cleaning up in this case, this morning, the Cantor Tomato Road and cleaning up the, the roads leading into towns. And look at all the work that the Tidy towns volunteers do uh, as well. They really are our unsung heroes. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls.
0: C103 Jobs.
3: With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie
2: at Centra in Kinsale. They're looking for an assistant manager. You need to send your CV to HR kinsale at centra.ie. Charleville Park Hotel are looking for a swim teacher. CVs to HR at charlevilleparkhotel.com An office administrator is required for full and part-time position in the North Cork area 087 eight three seven 837 and HGV truck drivers wanted full and part-time positions in the Charleville area 087 781 49147 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court
0: today on C103 with Sean Cusack
3: Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie.
2: A Cork mother whose son was born with a rare genetic condition has called on the government to step in to support families of children with disabilities in securing adequate services for their children. Orla Christian joins me from Blarney to talk about her little boy who's known as Superman, Michael's little steps on social media. Good morning to you Orla. Good morning, Patricia. And and thanks for having me. Well, up. listen, it's it's a real uh, pleasure. I suppose we need to kind of go back to the beginning. Michael was born November of twenty twelve. Tell me a little bit about his condition, and when did you find out that something was wrong?
6: Um, we found out something was wrong when I was twenty weeks pregnant, and um, it was the routine um, diabetes test for when you're pregnant. When you're pregnant. And they did the blood and they said, we're just going to scan you. And I was like, okay, that's no problem. And they scanned me. And she says, can your partner come down or can your partner come in? And I was like, yeah, obviously COVID, in 2012, COVID didn't exist. No No partners were allowed. And he came down, she scanned me again. And she says, we're going to have to see your obstetrician after lunch. Can you stick around? And we were like, yeah, no problem. So he confirmed that Michael had hydrocephalus. So when Michael was born, at seven weeks, they sent off um, bloods from me, my partner and Michael. And they confirmed that it was a genetic condition that I carry um, called L-CAM1 syndrome so that was confirmed at a, when he was approximately two to three months old
2: and and, and your first firstborn
6: yeah.
2: yeah yeah and had you had you ever heard of l1cam syndrome no
6: Michael is one of five in Ireland with oh, it. oh
2: God how rare is that
6: yeah and, and d- he is the second oldest
2: and he's not he's going to be 10 oh yeah he'll be 10 he's a big birthday coming up uh, in yeah. he hits double figures um, in in november please god of uh, of this year so so just tell me a little bit about how this syndrome and the hydrocephalus how it affects michael
6: michael is globally developmentally delayed he's physically disabled um he is a wheelchair user he is Non-verbal. He doesn't speak. He can't communicate, but he can understand certain things that I say, like fix your hands, hold up your head. Are you going to push your chair? Are you going to do wheelie? Like he knows. He understands certain things, and he's actually starting to understand left and right because of our service dog.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. That's and I and I've seen uh, your social media uh, stuff, and uh, he he seems like a happy little child, Orla. He is he, like he genuinely is like, even when
6: he's in pain, he's smiling.
2: God, it's hard to watch a child uh, in pain. Now yeah. the 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 big issue for Michael. Well, one of the issues for Michael is his need for physiotherapy. Yeah.
0: Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
7: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.
6: Physiotherapy sessions on the public system in five years.
2: And in the ideal world, how much physiotherapy should Michael be receiving?
6: In, in an ideal world, weekly. But that's never going to happen in the public system. So when he was in early intervention, um, he would receive six weeks, like six sessions once a week. For forty-five minutes, and then we'd have a uh, wait for another six weeks. That worked, but it still wasn't enough. <coughs> Sorry, but um, he he was able to manage with getting. Regular therapy, but he hasn't gotten anything. Now he, he is getting private physiotherapy, but that's not sustainable that, in the long yeah,
2: and, that sh- and that shouldn't be the case. It just shouldn't no. be the case. And what difference can and does physiotherapy make to Michael?
6: Um the big difference is pain. He is not in pain when he receives physiotherapy. Now I've been told this is what you can do for Michael by a physiotherapist on my son's team. And a friend of mine, who is a physiotherapist, said, you have to be really careful because you could do more damage than good.
2: This is the suggestion that has come out lately of of training parents in how to do the therapies, isn't it?
6: Yeah. And I was actually nearly convincing myself to actually go and train as a physiotherapist so I could help my son.
2: You're his mother. You're his mother first and yeah. foremost. You're, you're not his physio. You're not his physiotherapist. Does he receive any other therapies from from a multi D team? No. Nope. Should he be? Is there anything else? Yeah. yeah. Um,
6: Michael received a communication device there um, last year, and I received an hour's training on it. <coughs> he hasn't been taught shown how to do it.
2: How to use it that's a waste of time giving you giving you something that nobody's working because those communication devices you have to be taught and it's it's practice and it's constant yeah. okay and the and the reason that you're being given is is what funding funding is the huge issue but yet
6: when we met with minister rabbit now we do understand that three percent is it, of the budget is spent on disability and she did say that she hopes to increase it but hopes are not good enough for parents like myself um, It needs to happen
2: And we also like, hear from constantly from the HSC, Orla, that they're having problems filling vacancies on multi-D teams like physiotherapists speech and language therapists, occupational therapists
6: Yeah, um, I've, n- I've known through Um, the group that I follow, that OTs, physios go apply for those jobs and they're told, no, we're not recruiting at the moment. (laughs) Like, my son's team had half his physio, part-time hours, had a uh, full-time OT, part-time SLT, and each of those people had 800
2: kids on their book. God. How can... there's nobody can operate with those kind of numbers. And and it's not fair on the therapist either.
6: Yeah, and Cork is the worst CHO area in the country.
2: It's it's the longest waiting list, doesn't it, uh, um, as well?
6: It's the... the, the, They... They don't have all the teams filled. No team in Ireland is filled at the moment. There was one in Cork. But... The one of the physios came to become a team leader on my team, on my sorry, on my son's team. So no team in Cork is full now.
2: Where does Michael go to school, and how does schooling work out for him?
6: Michael goes to a fantastic school called St Paul's in nothing.
2: Yeah, brilliant school, yeah.
6: And from the moment. He gets into the car because I have to bring him to school. From the moment he gets into the car to the time he goes to school, he is literally screaming because he's so excited because he knows where he's going.
2: He's on Easter holidays at the moment, is he? Yeah, and he's distraught. (laughs) And you, are? am I right in saying, Orly, you're his full-time carer?
6: I am his full-time carer,
2: yeah. Do you find it tough at times?
6: Oh, 100%. Covid was a nightmare because I, for my son's safety, I took my son out of school two weeks before the schools actually closed because I was in hospital and I didn't want to put other children in his school at risk. So I took my son out of school from that day that I was in hospital and he did not go back until September.
2: And then, right throughout the pandemic, I mean, I'm I'm assuming, trying to protect Michael from getting COVID was your number one priority.
6: Yeah, and we are so lucky. Michael before COVID, Michael was in hospital maybe ten times a year, admit admitted to war, to the fantastic children's ward, and have an outpatient appointment. We were so lucky that Michael did not have to be admitted to hospital during COVID. We did go into the ED, but there was... Michael put straight into isolation when we went into ED because it was a planned ED admission by one consultant that he is under.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So we got to go straight into isolation. And when we went in uh, a second time, I rang up and I said, we're on our way in. It's actually me and my son that are injured. Um, well, Michael had aspirated and I injured my ankle. Yeah, I went over my ankle. I was living on the building site. <laughs> my, my son's extension was done. Yeah. And I tripped outside in the garden. And we were actually treated together by the same doctor so we didn't have to be separated.
2: Well done, well done uh, yeah. And you it there's a, there's a lot of criticism of the accident and emergency department, and, but the staff there are just are incredible and when the needs, they see a need like that, they, they yeah. bring out their A game. They really are uh, yeah. brilliant.
6: Like if my son had to go into the ED and we didn't know what was wrong with him, he would need to be seen literally within the first 10 minutes of him arriving for to check if his shunt is still working.
2: And so, where are you at now? You're trying to pay for as much private physiotherapy as you can afford, is it? Is yeah. that what? You-
6: yeah, like I purchased private health insurance for my son, for Michael, just so he can go to physiotherapy. And even the insurance company will not cover as many as he actually needs. They only cover 24 in a year.
2: They only do a limited number. That's the same, yeah. I think, with all with all uh, private health insurance. You mentioned the disability minister, Anne Rabbit. I'm assuming, did you go to that meeting when she came to Cork last week? I did, yeah. yeah. One of the first to talk
6: from the yeah. floor. Do, do, do you feel you were listened to? Genuinely, I do. But after speaking to her at the end, I do feel that she is going to do something. But whether she can is the issue. Like, she, we were saying to her that, like, you are the boss of the HSC. The HSC should have been present at that meeting. She should have been able to say, hey, you, you have to come to this with me because you have to answer questions too. It shouldn't be all down to her. And I'm not taking her side on the whole thing. I can see it from both perspectives.
2: Yeah, it shouldn't just be a talking shop. You should be able to get answers. There should have been, yeah.
6: That's a good point. I can actually say, handle my heart, like fair play to her for actually coming down and speaking to the worst CHO area and like parents were, including myself, were irate and angry and she took it. Like (laughs) she didn't have a guard escort or anything. Like she listened to us. She heard us. Yeah. Like she wasn't afraid of what
2: was going to come at her. Yeah, but it's, and it's you're fighting for your kids. It's it's your children are the ones yeah. that are um, suffering. And listen, you're you're a wonderful advocate on behalf of your son Michael. He's lucky to have you as as a mom. Um, we'll we'll stay in contact with you, Orla. In the meantime, um, thank you for that. Thank you for for Thanks talking for with me. us. And uh, have a have a lovely Easter. You too. Thank you. Okay. God bless. Take care. Bye bye. God, I'll Tell you some. Some parents really have it tough. That is Orla Christian from Blarney talking about her little son, Michael. And if you want to check them out, she's got some great stuff up on social media. It's under the banner of Superman, Michael's Little Steps.
0: Court today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurances Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
2: book just published called Our National Anthem is designed to teach children and Adults, our national song. The book also explains the background to Oral Navian, our The Soldier Song. Joining me, one of the authors, Rachel J. Cooper, who is based in Middleton. Good morning to you, Rachel. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, listen, it is a real, real pleasure. And can I start by saying it is a beautifully presented and put together book. Talk to me about how you came up with the idea first.
8: Oh, well, thank you very much. So, um, the inspiration came behind myself in te- um, attending many GAA and rugby matches throughout my adult life. And when it came time to sing our national anthem, I'd realised that, you know, I could sing maybe the first line or two and then I'd be, you know, maybe humming along and trying my best to join in. But when I looked around at other seats around me, people were experiencing the same thing. So, it's not that I didn't want to join in, it's just that I, I didn't know the words. So, I then on a journey of learning the words from start to finish myself and to learn a little bit about it and the background and who wrote it, etc. And then I thought, well, if, you know, if, if it featured in the classroom perhaps more often and at home, then, you know, if I wrote a children's book that was accessible to all the families um, in Ireland, you know, it, it might be um, a way that we could then remember it and carry it forward into our adult lives. So that, that's where the inspiration came from.
2: Well, well done, you've absolutely nailed it. And the illustrations?
8: Uh, Yes. So, um, a very good friend of mine helped me out with the illustrations. So, um, it was put together by by the two of us and um, we approached the right people then to help us with the website, etc. So, it's um, www.learnouranthem.ie.
2: Okay. So, if you want further information, you can go onto the website. How is it currently taught in our schools?
8: So I believe that's down to the individual um, t- teacher and the individual school. So, for example, around the centenary of the 1916 rising, it was being featured more regularly in the classroom. But then since that has been and gone, it doesn't seem to be featured, um, you know, apart from when it's kind of dust down for St. Patrick's Day itself. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that our children should be singing it every day before assembly or anything like this. But, you know, perhaps once a week, our national anthem, Patricia, it's only just over a minute from start to finish. So, you know, I don't think it's asking too much of the kids that perhaps on a Friday, you know, to start the weekend on a good note that, um, you know, they, all the little boys and girls sing, sing the anthem together.
2: Yeah, and you know something? Every single country has a national anthem and everybody is very proud of uh, their national uh, anthem. And I think it has really been reflected by the Ukrainian people. Every opportunity the Ukrainian people get you'll hear them sing their national
8: anthem. Yes, you're 100% correct. And, I mean, my eye was drawn to um, last week when the Ukrainian children were standing outside our own doll singing their national anthem. And, again, it struck home. I mean, I, I don't think our children could, could do that with our own national anthem. And, you know, it, it is a shame. I, I don't understand why we're the only country in Europe, if not the world, that can't sing our national anthem. And, I mean, the more research that I've undertaken... You do have um, people saying, well, you know, it's because I I haven't spoken in Irish since I left school, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I actually don't think that's it. I, I personally believe that it's because it's not featured enough in the classroom. So, you know, if we look back at, say, songs and poems that we do remember in our adult life, it, it's because, for want of a better word, they've been drummed into us yeah. in school from, a, you know, at an early age. So I do think if it featured more regularly um, at home as well and in the classroom, we would have a better... Chance. But, you know, like, like you, what you were saying, you know, it, it, it is a shame that, you know, we, we just we don't know the words. And I think that we can do a lot better than this. Oh, We
2: we did a straw poll there's only a few of us at work today there was nobody could put their hand up and say yes I know every word of our honor V from start to finish Mm. and actually when I mentioned you were coming on one of our listeners Dee says she remembers a few years ago when one of her kids was in fourth class a new teacher from County Kerry horrified that Mm. this fourth class did not know the words of the song and she said because of that they were all at home having to learn it because they were doing the repetition with their but she said because of it the whole family learned it but it can be down to, the indiv- oh. so it's down to the individual teacher.
8: Yes, it can be from from what I've um, discussed with primary school teachers. So, um, you know, if, if it did, as I say, feature more regularly, then we, we probably would have a better chance. And I mean, the way that I've written the book is to engage it more for for children. You know, it's not just a matter of, you know, black and white copy, photocopy of the words being handed out. Like there's... um an english version well it's it's not actually an english version it's the english version i correct myself there because what i actually didn't know was that um aron was originally written in english as a sol- a soldier song so you know it's the english version and also a phonetic version because you know i think when a phonetic version as like many of us children and adults alike you know we we might forget our irish or our irish mightn't be our strong point. So by including the phonetic version, it's a way to kind of get everybody involved. So for children as well, like to engage them with colourful pictures and there's a a quiz and a word search and I've also included not just a little bit about our national anthem and when it was written and who wrote it, etc. But there's also like a little bit on the Fianna and Gráinne Vale and a little bit about the shamrock and the harp and um, paragraphs about our patron saints and the tricolour. So like again, this was Something that I didn't know anything about. So for me, it, it's just been such a lovely journey to learn these things, and you know, ho- hopefully people can enjoy the book and teach their children the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's delightful, and it is this little history in it as well. It's terrific. John in Blackpool uh, says, uh, hi, uh, "Hi, Patricia." Uh, for some Americans, they think that the last line of our song is shoving Connie around the field, and <laughs> that, and actually, p- p- I've heard Irish people sing it as that as well, John. It's <laughs> it's not just. It's not just um, a- a- Americans. Just so, and the fact that you have it in English again. This was a discussion in, in the office earlier. I learnt it in English in primary school. Weirdly enough, and mm. no, no, nobody else in the building ever did. Do we ever sing it in English?
8: No, I don't think so. I think that. Um the last time that it was used was just before we gained our independence. So it, for example, was sung in English in the 1916 Rising. The lads would have been singing it in English then. But shortly after this, so when we did gain our independence, um, Liam O'Rinn, who was a civil servant, he suggested that um, he was actually friends with the, the two writers. So um, Padra Kearney and Patrickini. So Liam O'Rinn said, you know, we should probably be singing this in our own language. So... After we gained our independence, that's when Aaron Navine was sung, and it, it is it is what is sung nowadays for sure.
2: And I like the fact I mean that everyone knows like the the first word in English is you know soldiers are, are we that today yes. doesn't necessarily mean fighting on a battlefield.
8: No, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, it's it's a great point to bring up, Patricia, because, um, you know, what I've done with the lyrics is just to kind of make them applicable for children today. So, you know, when you mention that soldiers are we, you know, in a way we are soldiers. It's just that we're fighting against different things. So today we're fighting against things like viruses and bullying and things that we know are wrong. So. If we can manage to do this and to bring the the words into today's society and to bring their you know meaning into a different context, then it 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 totally updates our anthem and makes it applicable for today. And you know another reference that we could use would be our team of ronic means that it's a reference to people. From a land beyond the wave so you know in a way then we could bring this again into today's society to say well you know this is our tie to people who have arrived on our shores and you know who will continue to arrive and in ireland we're very proud that we're a welcoming nation and we welcome all little boys and girls from all different nationalities and it's a way to include them all by providing again the the phonetic version so everybody in the irish in, in, in our irish school system can all sing it together
2: well done. Well done. Well said. And uh, Mary O'Shea, one of our listeners says, Hi, Patricia. I learned Iron Levine in primary school in the convent in Abbeyfield. That was over 60 years ago. Haven't forgotten it. I know all the words. I also uh, hate it when I see at GAA matches or other national teams and they can't sing it. They should be taught it. It's never too late. I've never sung the English version, by the way, and I've never even heard it song. It must, it, listen, it had to be, it had to do with uh, uh, Mary, whoever was teaching us, uh, taught it to us in English. English, uh, but, but, but she's right, it's never too late.
8: It's never too late. You're absolutely correct. And, um, you know, if, if we know what the English words mean, um, for me anyway, that definitely helped me because you can always sing something with more gusto and with more kind of depth of feeling if you know what the what the words mean. And, I mean, it's so lovely to hear positive feedback from your listeners, Patricia, because, you know, this, this is telling me that this is an initiative that is very worthwhile undertaking. And, you know, our anthem, it's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. So we might as well take our heads out of the sand and embrace it purely as a cultural identity perspective. So, you know, we, we should be looking more at the fact that it's 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 a terrible pity and a terrible shame, I think, that we're the only country in in Europe, if not the world, that doesn't know the words of our own national anthem. And from the various Fox Pops and interviews that I've carried out nationwide in various counties, like the, the results have, they've just been really staggering because out of groups of 20 people, maximum one to two people can sing our national anthem From and to you know I, I, there's there's no other word for that i think that that, that that is a staggering result and it's very very disappointing so you know i think we can do better than this and i think now is a good time for a change and you know children have been through such a lot recently with viruses and now unfortunately the word war is featuring <clears throat> featuring more regularly which is which is awful so why not embark on something that's slightly positive and a bit of fun and engaging for the children and you know that it's, it, to show them that it, it's nice that you know we, we know our cultural identity and we know our anthem and we're proud and we're proud of it.
2: Angela on the Malo
8: Road says
2: I think at every GA match and every sporting event on the programs they should print the words of the national anthem so everyone can sing along. And Angela, I would say mm. that you print Rachel's version, which has the phonetics of it as well, to make sure that you're pronouncing it right. And just one final one, Carrie, who obviously has a copy of your book already, wants to know who's. Could, could who's the person who did the front cover? Who did the animation in for your book?
8: Oh, so that's my friend. Um, she's mentioned in in the beginning of the book there, Leo Kivore. So she's done all the illustrations there and was very kind to help me out and to get on board because she loved the idea and has a great imagination. Okay, so all that credit goes to her. <laughs> she,
2: she is very talented. Where is the book available? Very finally.
8: So, again, um, it's available on my website. So I've set up a publishing company. um, So you can find that under www.learnouranthem.ie.
2: Learnouranthem.ie. It is delightful. I wish you luck with it, Rachel. And thank thank you you. so much. And thank you for joining us on the programme today. Thank you so much, Patricia. Have a great Easter ahead. You too. Bye bye. That is Rachel J. Cooper, and the book is called Our National Anthem.
0: Cork Today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Let's catch up with a lot of uh, texts and uh, calls into the programme. And and apologies if uh, you weren't able to get through this on the phones. It's been extremely busy today. John Paul has been working flat out, but he can only answer uh, so many calls. And that's why I'm always saying to people, text or WhatsApp us, because at least we know. That we will get those in and we'll be able to see your uh, comments. Now, some of your WhatsApps in on the national anthem. Uh, Jane in Ballydicky said, I learnt the national anthem at Derry Gallen School. It was Master Moynihan who taught us back in the 60s. And I'm assuming, Jane, am I from that text that you remember every single word of it? Good on you. Good morning, Patricia. You could have a new competition now who can sing our national anthem and maybe give a free pizza as a prize. That'll be some listening. <laughs> it would indeed. Somebody else has Trisha, sing the English version. Would, you, would do you want me to close the radio station for you? You obviously haven't heard my uh, singing voice, but I do. Now, again, as, as I said when, when I was talking with Rachel, I know part in Irish and part in English, so I, I couldn't sing it all in Irish and I certainly couldn't sing it all in English. And even in Rachel's gorgeous book... They have the complete English version of it, which John Paul had never seen before. He'd never seen it in English. And I remember it, you know, straight away, I could sing bits of it, bits of it. I don't, even, I don't even remember some of the English lines in it, but it's all contained uh, in the book. And Tim in Cork says, regarding Oron Naveen, uh, what would te- What do you think teachers will have to say about this if ch- if children are not being taught our national anthem? Well, I think, Tim, I think the point is some teachers are better at it than others. I mean, that was reflected by D when they, her children, one of her kids was in fourth class and a teacher arrived from Kerry who was horrified that the class at Getting to fourth class, getting up to fourth class, the pupils had learned the national anthem. So I suppose it depends on individual schools, and it will depend on individual teachers. I'm assuming that every child that goes to a Gaelic school, for example, possibly knows every single word of the national anthem. I'm, I would be open to correction, but I'm sure that it, that is probably the case. So I think it, it varies from school to school, but it very much varies from uh, teacher to teacher. Thank you for your text, at Tim. And Michael says, "How are you doing, Patricia?" I'm well, thank you. Listening to that lovely mother Orla talking earlier on on the programme about her son Michael my heart goes out to her and many more family carers who struggle every day to battle the system as well as caring for their loved ones it makes me so mad when you then hear the Secretary General of the Department of Health offering a Trinity College position to Tony Houlihan and signing off on the big financial deal so much could be done with that money for struggling uh, carers have a lovely Easter that's from uh, Michael and many happy returns to you and indeed a lot of people wishing me happy Easter. So many happy returns to everybody who's taken time out to send in texts. On Eamon Ryan, somebody says, Eamon Ryan, the Minister for the Environment, should get on his bike and visit rural Ireland. Maybe let him spend some time with the Healy Rays. it will show him what rural Ireland is all about. Uh, Ross says, we didn't vote for a Green government. She's not happy about the fact that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, it was two parties, you remember, went into government with the Greens. And on posting, oh, this is a reaction to the listener who had sent off for the road tax, th- tax disc and it hasn't come back. Somebody says Hi Patricia, my daughter did her tax for her road, for her car tax online. Last weekend, she had the disc in the post in three days. Absolutely no problem at all. This listener, though, was making the point for people who are missing out on an item that has been sent when you were told by, I mean, for the car tax, they've got onto the tax office and they said, yeah, it's been posted and it hasn't arrived and they've now issued a second one. Um, this listener is saying that what sometimes can happen, it can go to wrong houses. And this listener said well, there, li- li- where she lives, that's what's happening, post is getting delivered to wrong houses. So it might be worth checking with neighbours or... Maybe another street back from you there's the same number to see that the post gets sent there instead. Now I want to give I want to 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 talk about two emails that we've had into the programme. Okay. This email arrived into us and was it yesterday or was it um this morning? From a listener who had contacted us. Was it last over Nearly a year ago, this listener contacted us and wanted to remain anonymous, and that's fine. On September of last year, and it was a young woman who really was battling, as she said in a very, very heartfelt email. She had been suffering and has been suffering from depression for about 10 years and suffering from anxiety, but then over the last four years, she had developed uh, OCD, uh, and it's to do with like germs and germ phobia. I've been absolutely terrified of picking up anything and everything being contaminated and obviously this was at the time we were living through a pandemic and anyone who had OCD God help them living through a pandemic was dreadful and she said in her email she'd gone to doctors psychiatrists hypnosis faith healers reflexology she'd cognitive behavioural therapy and nothing was working and she she emailed the programme last September because her parents had gone away she said for the first time they'd gone away for a night for the first time since she started suffering from depression so the first time in 10 years but that had really triggered her anxiety because her mum and dad were out of the house for the night and you know she spoke about being confined to her room, uh, nobody being allowed in, terrified to go into the kitchen she used to have a lovely close relationship with her sister and she said I can't do that anymore, I can't even sit at the table uh, with her and she said it's breaking my heart and I know it's breaking my family's heart and then you know she outlined how bad the uh, the OCD had gone and this need to sanitise from head to toe every night, face hair, everything. That would be after spending an hour or so inside in in the uh, shower, having to change her clothes five times a day. Pajamas can be changed four times before going to bed. If she didn't have a shower before she went to bed, she'd be awake all night with the anxiety of it. And just frantic. I mean, just... I think her outpouring in the email, you know, she said, I need help. I can't seem to find it. And she was saying, you know, is anybody else suffering like this? And I remember at the time we read out the email and we did a piece with Joe Heffernan, who just offers, you know, such wonderful practical advice. And then other listeners were coming in and saying, well, look, yes, I can identify with what has happened to you and this is what worked for me. Well, I'm delighted to say we got this gorgeous email from that uh, young woman uh, to say, as I said in a previous email, I was confined to my room, but thanks to the help I got from you reading out the email last year, life now is very different. She said, sometimes tough love is exactly what is needed. I'm slowly getting my life back together and so much so I'm even able to attend a public festival next Sunday. Something that I didn't think I'd be able to do uh, in years. Not to mind, meet with other people so soon after everything. And she's been on just to thank us for reading her her, her email and thanks to listeners and to Joe and to everybody who helped out. That just cheered me up no end because we we do... We get contacted by a lot of uh, people on the programme and a lot of things we can you know, simply sort out. John Paul in the background is, is incredible to, you know, to contact various agencies or something To if somebody's having a problem with a service or a provider or, or whatever and he does amazing work in the background and things get sorted out. We, don't, we never even bring it to air. We just sort out you know, the problem that the listener is having and, and off it goes. And then we do things like that where we'll take a look at an email and say, well, look, can we do that on air or we'll put a shout out on air for, because somebody's looking for something or something. Somebody needs help with something and we... I think collectively as a group of people, we Irish, I think we've got great hearts. And I always think, you know, I, you've often heard me reference the kindness of strangers and people wanting to help somebody else. And I think when you hear an, an email like that and you, the pain that was in that email, you couldn't help but say, God, what can we do to help her? Is there any bit of advice we can give her? And it's fantastic then to hear that the bit of advice that she got on that day Something in that advice triggered something in her that helped her, and, and now she's you know again it, it's slow, but she's getting there. And the, the idea that she's going out on Sunday and is going to be out in in a group of lots of people and meeting people and getting out into this big beautiful world in which we live has just filled my heart with joy this Easter. It really has. So obviously she's remaining anonymous, which is fine. So we just send on buckets and buckets of love and luck to her and thank you to anybody who might have remembered that email and who may have been one of the people who contacted us to offer her help but that's a real good news story and then from that good news story to something that's a little bit sadder but hopefully this might bring comfort to some people This is from Anne, one of our listeners, to say, Patricia, uh, I think this is a very powerful poem for anyone who's lost a loved one, particularly anyone that's lost a loved one over the last two years during the pandemic. And Anne said, I am in particular thinking of my own dear mother, Frances O'Riordan from McCroom, whose second anniversary takes place next Monday, the 18th of April. And Anne was one of the ones who lost her mum during when the lockdown was on and you couldn't get in to be with loved ones. And families went through really tough times saying goodbye to loved ones with all of the COVID funerals but for many families they weren't able to be with their loved ones at the end and that was really hard for so many people. So Anne has discovered this poem that is called Memories of You Mum and it, you could put you could change mum to anyone. It could be memories of a dad, it could be memories of a child or a brother or a sister or a friend. Now I'm not the best at reading out poems so you're going to have to bear with me and Anne I hope I don't absolutely ruin it for you. But it's quite it's just a short little poem, but it just might bring comfort to some people who will be struggling because of, bere- because of bereavement. And particularly at Easter, I think, you know, Easter and Christmas and birthdays and first anniversaries can be and second anniversaries can be, can be just difficult times. So anyway, this is the poem is called Memories of You, Mum. It's been the hardest thing to lose you. You meant so much to me, but you are in my heart, Mum, and that's where you'll always be. I know that heaven called you, but I wish you could have stayed. At least the memories I have of you, they will never fade. I did not want to lose you, but you did not go alone because a part of me went with you when heaven called you home. So just remember one thing. We are not apart. You are with me in my memories and in my broken heart. And that's for anyone that's ever lost a much loved mum.
0: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council,
3: where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie
2: now we have a couple of events that are happening on uh, today for Good Friday the, te- the Texas Hold'em card game, that's the one in aid of St Mary's Alzheimer's Day Centre in Mallow, that's been rescheduled and it's taking place this afternoon at 4 in Mallow GAA Complex in Carragoon, tickets are priced at 20 euro and anyone who purchased tickets for the previous cancelled event please come along because your tickets are valid for this event, Bingo is in Newtown Chandram Community Hall that's starting at 8.15 tonight please note 8.15 instead of uh, the normal time of 7 and bingo in Mallow GAA complex this Friday evening 8.15, jackpot there is 2,600 euro with all proceeds going to towards the teams and the upgrade of the pitches and an Easter art exhibition in aid of cancer charities is going to be held in in Inishannon Village Hall, it opens this evening at 6 and it runs up to and including Easter Monday there's over 100 pieces of art will be exhibited and the local organisers who are the French family hope that there will be something there to suit every pocket. And next Easter Sunday Dawn Mass in Waterloo will be held at 7am in the morning. You're pleased advised to wear suitable clothing. Some seating will be available but please feel free to bring along a folding chair, a cuppa and light refreshments will be available after the Dawn Mass in Waterloo.
0: Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack
3: Insurance's Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
2: Marion has just asked me to mention when I was talking about the various bingos and events that are going on today, Middleton GAA Bingo is on tonight and it's at the usual time of 7.30. That's Middleton GAA Bingo. On the learning of the National Anthem, here's an interesting suggestion. Hi Patricia, why not get a young charismatic entertainer? To promote the national anthem. You only need to listen to Max Boyce singing the Welsh National Anthem we have such great young talent in this country yeah and and you're right if we could get some of the young influencers somebody singing it somebody doing maybe on TikTok it would really get the young people involved for sure that's not a bad that's really not a bad uh, suggestion back to posting of items hi Patricia listening to your show about unpost. my sister-in-law in England sent my daughter a birthday card she posted it the first week in February it hasn't been delivered either way from a North Cork sister, so it hasn't gone back to the sister in England and neither has it arrived in North Cork. First week in February and we're into the middle of April. Goodness me, has that gone missing? That seems excessively long period of time for a card to arrive. We did have somebody Earlier say that they had noticed of late, they send a lot of letters and cards forward and back to between the UK and Ireland. And they've noticed of late two to three weeks. But a card posted the first week in February and we're into the middle of April. I'd be giving up on on that one as disappointing as that is. Uh, Patricia sent a registered envelope to America two years ago. I kept tracking it. It said it arrived at the u s sorting office uh, d- uh, and it arrived within two days. It was at the u s sorting office but that 's when it all started to go wrong. It was a very private letter, hence the reason that I registered it. It never arrived i 'm after giving up contacting on post for information on it. It is just so so frustrating, not worked the stress and the excuses, as always was were short staffed due to covid nineteen Well going the on post side if you registered, yeah I mean, obviously, I'm did their bit. They got it delivered. It arrived at the US Sorting Office, so it somehow went missing on the US side. Now, I don't know when you register a letter this side where the responsibility, once it gets to the other country then, is it the other postal service then, is then resp- responsible? As I say, we're going to end up gathering up a load of questions if we can get on to, John Paul is trying to get on to on post to see if we can do a follow-up, maybe bring somebody on from on post and and then if if we could do that we could get a lot of these questions and try and get them answered and try and get some kind of an explanation on them. But yeah, that's you're, but you're right, there's no point worrying about it. It's, it seems to have, after two years it's certainly gone, gone missing, but extra frustrating because you went to the added expense of registering it because it was an important letter and a private letter that you wanted to make sure that it had arrived. This is someone said, don't call up my name. That's fine. Sure she was listening in earlier about litter and about the great work of the Tidy Towns groups and people, local community groups going out and cleaning up. Look, has anybody in Mallow noticed the state of the waste ground in Ballydehean? That's where the garage used to be. It's an absolute disgrace. Coming over from the bridge it really is an eyesore. Something needs to be done about it. And then Jim says Patricia, what do you and your listeners think of the statement from the Munster Council saying Cork footballers have to play the Munster semi-final in Killarney as Home and Away Agreement says the venues can only be Fitzgerald Stadium, Killarney or Porky Cueve in Cork but it's Cork's turn for home advantage and if Porky Rin is not suitable Cork, I feel, says Jim should be offered a neutral venue perhaps Limerick, and it will be a farce if Cork are thrown out of the championship, and especially the Cork manager having to step down for health reasons. And can we wish him a speedy recovery, please? Says Jim. Cork County Board need to plan concerts if they want to bring in money outside of the months of the Munster. Championship says, uh, Jim. So, how do people feel about that? Okay, we know it can't be played in Porky Queef because it is the Ed Sheeran concert, isn't it? Is is going on that weekend, so it can't be played because of that. Is it does seem unfair that they're they're expected to give away home advantage? Everybody wants to have home advantage. So, Jim's suggestion, because obviously Porky, Porky Rin is not suitable, so that's out is Jim's suggestion a good one to go with a neutral venue and instead look at Limerick or could be Perlis, but maybe go for a neutral venue where both teams, then nobody has the advantage of home advantage. How do people feel about that? Are you with Jim or do they just... Do. The Cork lads just have to suck it up and listen, Porky Creeve, out of action. Nothing you can do. You've got to go back to Killarney and give away home advantage instead. Your thoughts welcomed on that, 0818 103 103. And uh, you can text our WhatsApp, text 103 103. Hi, Patricia, I posted a card last Monday to a local address. <laughs> it hasn't arrived yet. And <laughs> here we are. And there is post today, so you might, might get it today. If no, it won't be post-Monday because it's Bank Holiday Monday but then what about Tuesday? Uh, hi Patricia, well done to the team at C103 for generating a positive outcome for that listener with the OCD and thanks for reading out that lovely poem this I Well, I hope I, did. I just... I, I'm not great at reading out poems. I, I like poetry but I have a tendency to read poetry in my own head where I think it sounds great but I, I just always feel conscious when I'm reading out a poem. I always feel... to what it is, just... I can I could read something to you, and I can talk for Ireland, obviously. But come, when it comes to poetry, just I don't know. I've just one of those things. I'm I'm just not confident in myself when I'm doing the poems. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's from Mary in Cork City. Happy Easter to you, uh, Mary. And just we can I just on carers because when I'm conscious of when we were talking with Orla earlier and she outlining, she's a full time carer to her little boy Michael, who will be nine, he will be ten this year, and just. The incredible work that she's doing as a full-time carer and yet she's almost been expected now to become his physiotherapist as well and just to watch a child in pain there's just there's nothing any any parent will tell you there's nothing worse than to watch your child uh, in pain and to know that this little fella is in pain because he hasn't been getting the therapies that he needs it's just absolutely heartbreaking but just on as Porrick has been on to say and asked, has asked me to include this in our community diary and I will I'll, I'll get this passed on to Carmel that the Blackwater family carers are back again and they're having their first meeting and we're giving you great advance notice on this on Wednesday the 4th of May it'll be in the Formoy Family Resource Centre from half past 7 until half past 8 and all carers are very welcome to attend and Podrick in his email said they're desperately looking for new blood to join the group and if anybody would like to find out more about the Blackwater family carers you can contact Podrick on 087 227 one, one, five, three if you're unable to attend or if you 'd like to get any further information about the Blackwater family carers um, from Port, feel free to uh, contact him and uh, you know th- um, family carers and carers groups they play such an important role, but sometimes it 's so difficult for a family carer if they don 't have anybody else to do the caring role in order for them to go out and attend a meeting like this. It can be really, really difficult. So that's why I'm glad that I've been given so much notice on this, that it might allow family carers who've never been to one of the Blackwater family carers meetings before, maybe to plan for it and to get somebody in to look after your loved ones so that you are able to attend. So it's Wednesday, the 4th of May, and it'll be in Famoy. Resource, Resource Centre between half past seven and half past eight. And I'll hang on to that so that I can mention it again closer to the time. John Paul's taking your calls at 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
0: Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack
3: Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk,
2: they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This
0: is the Court Today replay on C103. 3
2: As we just heard from one of our listeners wondering how others feel about this, that the Munster Council has reaffirmed Fitzgerald Stadium Killarney as the venue for the Cork-Kerry Munster Senior Football Final on the 7th of May. Porky Creef isn't available, as we know, and Cork players and management supported by the County Board wanted the game to be played at Porky Um, The Now, Finbar McCarthy, RGAA correspondent, is a man in the the know on this, and uh, he joins me. Good afternoon to you, Finbar.
9: Good afternoon, Tricia. Uh, the
2: it, it really looks like the Cork players are they going to dig their heels in on this one?
9: I believe so. Uh, I think uh, it's a tricky situation they find themselves in. Uh, they've made a stand, and they either go through it or they back down. If they don't play the game, the word from Crow Park is they won't be allowed into the qualifiers. Unlike if they do play the game and they lose, they will get a, a game in the qualifiers. But if they do not fulfil the fixture, uh, they won't be their season effectively over. No, I do know they're preparing training away, and so are Kerry, obviously, and they're hoping for some sort of compromise. There is a, a talk, maybe, I just read it there with ago now about uh, some sort of arbitration to, to try and resolve this issue, but uh, I think this is a bit to be played out yet, Patricia.
2: OK, they want it...
9: They,
2: is Porky Rin completely ruled out?
9: Well, my understanding is that the arrangement between the counties is for Parky, Kiev and Killarney. And this is the sticking point. It doesn't say Cork or Killarney. It specifically states (coughs) Park... Excuse me. It specifically states Park or Killarney. And that's the line that the Munster Council are taking on it. And Ring was never in the equation. And I suppose, look, you can understand where both parties are coming from. There's been no income for the last couple of years. The game will generate a bigger crowd, be it in Killarney. You know, they'll probably expect a few more, but the co- players are adamant that they were given assurances that the game would be played in Parking months ago by the county board. And now they have to see how it pans out. So I just hope it resolves itself and it, that the match is actually played because it would reflect poorly on everyone if the game isn't played.
2: Oh, to be And if, to have them out of the championship would be dreadful. Yeah. It
9: would yeah, be dreadful. Uh, dreadful. And I, I, my, my other understanding is that Core park have kind of told the parties involved sort that they want the to get the game played. There's a lot of stake here, Patricia, if you must remember. There's television coverage which is being broadcast by Sky and that like, if there's RT, like, Sky are obviously paying big money. I know RT are paying money. If Sky don't have this match will they, obviously, they, you can't they won't pay for it and that's more revenue gone from the GAS perspective. So there's a hell of a lot at stake in this match. The, the players will say we're standing on our principle.
2: County Board said parking rings should be made available. Oh, it's a complete mess. <laughs> um, the, the, no, no, and Cecile laughing. A number of our uh, listeners are are opting for, uh, you know, neutral alternatives. Somebody said the Limerick, uh, the Gaelic grounds in Limericks. um somebody else said Semple Stadium in Tharlis. What, yeah. can, has that been considered?
9: Well, I presume it is. I, I imagine that there's probably negotiations going on in the background that we're not aware of, I would imagine. Now, I do think that the Limerick, uh, Limerick option is not available because I think the Limerick Hurl are playing there the following day, from what I understand. So that might make make Hurlis the alternative. Yeah. this, and So I don't think Limerick is available. I, I don't have the fixture schedule in front of me, but I think Limerick are playing on May the 8th, Sunday, so that would rule out the game on the seventh, possibly. So Thorles might be the alternative. Uh, and there's a hell of a lot at stake. I mean, apart from anything else, if the game isn't played in Killarney, like will the home and away home and away arrangement continue if the game isn't played? If the game stayed neutral, where's where's next year's fixture going to be played? I assume the the basis on that it, it, this should be Cox's game at home. Yeah, say it in Cork, and say oh, we I know what you're Torlis.
2: saying. Then are they entitled to home where advantage re- next year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could get the, to get a neutral venue. They could they could relinquish that and say, well, oh, okay, we'll give up. Or would they? Would they willingly? Well, would it not?
9: Let's be the devil's advocate. If they're prepared to go to Torliss this year and lose Cal- lose the home advantage, would it not be better off going down to Killarney this year and have the next two games in Cork? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is most-
2: is is that a possibility?
9: That could be a possibility, but if they're told play in, if the, if the compromise is told, I would suggest then that would be seen as Cox's home venue, if you know what I mean, yeah. and Make sure they'd have to go to Calamity anyway. I know, I so, know,
2: and that doesn't seem fair either. Okay, yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody says, can Finbar explain why Porky Rin has been ruled out outside of the thing of saying it states that it's either got to be... Uh, Porky are or uh, Killarney. I mean, we, we, Porky Cueve is, is gone, we know it's gone. Why why can't they use Porky Rin?
9: Well, first of all, the capacity is. The Cork are putting the capacity at 11,000. The Munster council capacity, is, I believe, is 9,500. Cork say they can get up 11,000. But once the council say it's still not enough to cater for the expected attendance. There's also probably around media facilities in terms of car carry is a big game. The press facilities in Parkland where they're adequate are probably not adequate enough for the volume of media people that will be there. You know, so uh, i said that's another issue. And I know there's some work going on there in terms of... Um, upgrading the facilities, lights and dressing rooms and so on and so forth make them up the scratch the, the stadium is quite good to be fair but um, I think the, the, the big factor here is the attendance they're expecting more than 11,000 that's the main reason why they don't want to use Parkier uh, rent.
2: Really. It's money it's <laughs> but, yeah, that's call a spade a spade call a spade a spade Has Kerry County Board said anything?
9: Uh, I, I, the only thing I can say on that is uh, I read a quote from Jack O'Connor after uh, the league final, and he was asked about, it and he said, "It's none of my business." He says, "Wherever the match is played, we'd be ready for it," and I presume that's probably the line Kerry taking. But I have no doubt. I have no doubt. In the background, there's a bit of work going on to try and resolve this issue, because I'm sure Kerry Kerry wants to play the match. I don't want to get a walkover into a monster final. No, they're hot favours to win the match anyway. They don't want to get a walkover in two months to final. They prefer to play the game. So, uh, I'd say Kerry are probably anxious to have the match played and have the matter resolved. Have the
2: Cork senior team ever failed to fulfil a fixture? I'm even thinking back to the days of the the, the strikes. Do they ever fail to fulfil a fixture?
9: Well, I'm going to matches a long, long time, Tricia, And I I think, I think there was two matches lost in the strike in terms of um, they were awarded to the opposition I, I'd have to check now but um, I know the hurlers the hurlers played the teams they fulfilled the hurlers if I'm Correct. I think the footballers had to forfeit two games during their early issues. But other than that, I don't think. They were league games, but obviously a championship match hasn't been forfeited in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Even in terms of COVID, the last couple of years, all games were played. Some counties had to forfeit games during COVID. In championship, they couldn't play and league games. But no, I don't recall cock.
2: That's because it's so important. It's so important to the players uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, okay, it is. a that yeah, there is a lot at stake. Uh, somebody says the Cork footballers are dead right to stick to their guns. The GAA, it's all about money and greed. They're coming across like bullies, says this texter. And uh, hi, uh, Patricia, I agree with Jim, your previous texter who got this ball rolling, saying that a neutral venue, venue should be used for the cork Kerry match. Also, concerts should not go ahead in Porky Cree during the hurling and football season, or at least they shouldn't be allowed to clash with the matches. And there's a number of people saying that. Should those concerts ever have been Agreed.
9: Yeah, I, I, look, we, we all understand there, there is a substantial debt in parking Key, and it needs to be paid off. But the other issue here is that the concerts are all were all scheduled pre-COVID, and they had to be cancelled, and they've been rearranged. And the other issue is the split season. We're playing Cork are playing hurling on Sunday against Limerick is Easter so Sunday as we all know. It's the earliest start ever to a championship. Normally you would be playing hurling a football championship the June or July. And if we were in a normal season without the split season, there'd be no issue with the Conqueror match. But that's one factor. The concerts, as I said, were all planned pre COVID and now they're being put back in. Okay. So that's the issue there.
2: Okay, and if they forfeit the match, I'm told the next competitive game would be the Alliance League Division Two early in twenty twenty three.
9: Yeah, or possibly the McGrath Cup, which is a very attractive picture in January. Ah. But uh, look, I, I my own gut feeling is I do understand the footballers are very, very strong in their views that they're that they want the game to be played in Cork. But I think at the end of the day and I hope I'm right, I don't be right on everything, but at the end of the day I think the game will be played. And I think it'll probably be played in a neutral venue because I think it would it would be a serious setback to Cork football if They were ruled out the championship for not playing the game and not having any other game. They're training away. I know they're playing a few challenge matches. They're training away on the basis that the game will be played. And let's hope it is. And let's hope it's resolved.
2: Okay, let's hope for a cork win. We leave it there. Uh, Listen, no, with that, because I Yeah, <laughs> <that>. thanks, <laughs> Finbar. Bye-bye. That is uh, Finbar McCarthy, our GAA report. As we wrap it up for another day and another week, can I wish each and every one of you a happy and a peaceful Easter? Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for uh, producing, and uh, stay safe.
0: Talk today on C103. With John
3: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie c103's irish sunday is the big show on your radio sunday mornings from 10
0: four hours of all-time favorites from clean hagen to mike denver
3: susan mccann to Derek ryan
0: and daniel o'donnell to nathan carter
3: it's cork's greatest hits guaranteed
0: and everyone is irish
3: join us sunday mornings from 10 a.m
0: irish sunday on c103 C103 invites you to run the Cork City Marathon. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie for Sunday, June 5th.
3: Do it now with C103.
8: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.